Hello and welcome to episode 156 of Effect, per Ardua Ad Astra. My name is Matthew. And I'm Dave. And as usual, we've got a packed show today. The No, Dave, no, Dave. This was the week we were going to say, we've got nothing. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? This was the week we were just going to spitball. That's a fairly good point. So... Um, <laughs> We were going to Now we've ball. ruined it now. Now we've got stuff. You better tell them about the stuff we've got. That's a fair point. I totally forgot that in the last episode, we did say to our listeners, send us questions and we would just talk about those. And we've completely failed on that because... Yeah, because we actually, have... I don't think anybody sent us questions. So it's you, listeners. Well, <laughs> apart from our, our old friend, Andy Brick, nobody sent us any questions at all. So it's all your fault. Um, and that's the end of the programme. Goodbye. <laughs> well, OK, well, see you later, Matt. I'll carry on and do the show like the good professional that I am. Um, so today we have, uh, we've got um, the, 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 the key, the keystone of the show is uh, our interview, our interview, your interview, because I was busy. My interview. A busy sunning. You were sunning, on holiday. Sunning myself in sh- sunny Cheshire, um, where... All in the space of about an hour, we had blue sky, the sunshine, we had rain, we had hails, and we had st- uh, storms. Anyway, um, interview uh, about a game which is currently on Kickstarter called Change Stars by our friend, friend of the show, Pat Long from Diesel Shot. And uh, I haven't heard any of that yet, so that'll be great to listen to that. Um, Pat's a, a, a great fan of Alien and uh, other Free League stuff. And is loads of fun. So hopefully, um, Change Stars is going to do really well. But I'll be interested to listen to that interview. But before we get to there, um, we need to do some of our usual things. We need to thank a couple of new patrons who've joined us in in this last couple of weeks. And on the world of gaming, there's a fair bit, again, as usual, to talk about in the world of gaming. Um, And that's probably it. For today, and that's going yeah, to be. We should get on with it. I full... guess we've got so much to talk about in the world of gaming that literally we we haven't we haven't got nothing. Excuse the double negative. No, um, no, I'm not going to excuse the double negative. <laughs> we haven't got nothing. I mean, <laughs> next you'll be dropping your teas and uh, you know talking like a cockney. Oi, oi. Uh, no, that, that that's um, yeah. No, moving on. <laughs> Uh, let's thank you to our new patrons. Now, I did meant to ask Mattia Compan how to say his name. I think but, um, I think that's pretty good because I did say it once on the Alien stream that we were doing, like that, and he came back and said, "Oh, thank you for pronouncing my name right." So um, cool. So I think that's good. Okay, but well, Mattia, I hope we pronounce your name right. Uh, thank you yeah. for joining us, uh, and you've already been. Uh, quite active on uh, the Discord as well, and it's always a pleasure when a new patron comes in and takes part in the Discord. Gets involved, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Stacy Winters as well. Thank you. Welcome, Stacy. I don't think we've seen you on the Discord, uh, but um, but come along. But thank you and very join much. Us. Yeah, absolutely. For becoming a patron. Yes, thank you. So, so there are two new patrons. World of gaming. Where do you want to start, Matthew? Well, I guess we should start with uh, the closure of the uh, Ruin of Simbaroom Kickstarter, yep. which seems to have done reasonably well. About half a million quid, I reckon. Uh, okay. Are you are you doing that from 
research or are you just spitballing? Well, it was that was research I did a couple of days ago. Well, I say research. I looked at it a couple of days ago. I'm not looking at it right now. Is that what you're asking? Do you want me to call up Kickstarter? Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at it right now because I will. I'm doing it. It's fine. I'm there. Uh, <laughs> so, four million. This se- is how professional we are. Four million seven hundred and sixty-five thousand four hundred and two kroner, which comes down to about four hundred and seventy thousand quid. Cool. Which is so just a tad under the half not million mark. Bad, thing. is it? <laughs> That's not bad. Four thousand. Not bad at all. Four thousand four hundred backers, nearly. So that's excellent. Actually, I think that's really good. I mean, yeah, that is a great uh, sort of beachhead in the world of five E. Yeah. And hopefully, it will bring in more five E players to the wonderful world of Simbaroom. So well done, Matthias. Well done, Free League, and well done to everybody who backed it. Yes, yeah, and uh, and I think in a way more than the money, the important thing for us are those four thousand backers because hopefully a good proportion of those, this will be their first experience of free league quality, and they may well come to other free league games. Fingers crossed. Yes, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Um, so so yeah, well done to everybody on that one. Um, uh, we've got some more kickstarters to talk about. But shall we talk about the exciting news uh, about something that you've been doing a bit of work on? Yes, this is uh, Firelock's uh, new Year Zero Engine game, War Stories, which uh, I've had the pleasure um, of working on for the last few months, actually, uh, on and off with the game designer, Gabriel Garcia, uh, who is a delight to work with. He's such a good... uh, He's got such a good gaming brain and is... uh, a really fun person to work with. It's been a delight. Um, obviously under Al Aguila, who is um, one of the bosses of, of Firelock. And this game has now just been um, put out there in its second draft on Facebook. Um, so there's a Facebook page, which is now seeking wider fan review and comment on uh, on the document. It's not a finished document by any means. This is still quite early on in the development. There's a lot of work to be done in in quite a lot of areas. But the core mechanics are there. The core um, the core uh, sort, of, sort of new bits of, of how uh, how the game wants to run a World War Two um, environment are all in there. And it's not going down the road of Twilight 2000. It's using basic Year Zero engine with a few amendments and a few additions to give a different feel. So we, you know, we didn't want to just um, take Twilight 2000 and give it a World War II skin because I think you can do things. Twilight 2000 and the and the and the, and the rules for that do things in a certain way for a certain um, kind of player, and that's great. Um, I think War Stories is intended to be a little bit slicker and a bit sort of mechanics light um, than the Twilight mm. 2000. I mean, originally it wasn't going to be a Year Zero Engine game. It was, <laughs> there's a little story actually. Um, Al came along uh, when we ran um, Alenia Bay, the alien scenario that I ran for Essen last year. And he watched it mm. and was was... So taken by it, not only did he write the alien scenarios that have gone out on Facebook and that and won the first Facebook scenario competition, 
He also... And you also ran that scenario on Victory Condition Game. I did, yeah. That was called Outpost 247. And then Al wrote another one called Dead Sea, which I also ran on VCG as well. And um, from that, Al basically went, hmm, Year Zero might be perfect for these games that we're producing. And they did a bit of a, uh, a, a trajectory change and changed both War Stories and the other game that they're working on, um, which is called Under the Black Sail, which is a pirate-based game, um, turned them both to the Year Zero engine, which is where I came mm-hmm. in. So um, Al then was was keen to get sort of my expertise and opinion on on sort of Year Zero games generally and how best to translate these games into Year Zero. And that's the um, that's basically the consultancy role I've been fulfilling for the last few months. Which has been brilliant fun, but absolutely great fun. Gabriel Garcia, he he was familiar with Year Zero before, wasn't he? I think he's played Mutant. He's, he's, yes, he's familiar hmm. with Mutant. Um, I don't think he played much else, um, hmm. and obviously wasn't so wasn't so um, uh, well versed in the in the range of Year Zero mechanics and options that that were out there, but. Um, yeah, and that's been that's been great. So not I mean not only that, I've been able to help out with a few other bits of bobs. Um, there's a few things in there which, which kind of have got uh, sort of my personality on them a little bit, which is really nice. But um, yeah, Gabe's the Gabe designer, and he he makes all the final decisions. I'm just a consultant to give him advice and offer him choices. Really, that's what I've been doing. Saying so you can do it this way or you could do it that way, and these are the positives and the negatives of, of doing that. And then um, Gabriel makes a choice. But it's it's yeah. been really fun because Gabe has a full time day job, and um, we we chat on Zoom every now and then. But with the time differences, he's always sat in uh, in his car outside. <laughs> he's a teacher, um, so mm-hmm. in a in a in a free lesson, he sits in the car chatting to me whilst I'm sat here at home in my office. Um, but he's such a great guy and is putting so much energy and imagination and creativity into this. I'm I'm really quite excited. I think War Stories could be, uh, could be absolutely outstanding. I think if we get it all right, it's uh, it's got such a lot of potential. Cool. Yes, and um, you your help has obviously been so useful that they've decided to open up uh, to other playtesters to offer their opinion as well. There are two Facebook groups. Uh, there's one general Facebook group for people who are interested in the game, and then there's a playtester one, which I think you might have to get an invite to, um, uh, which uh, is the only one at the moment that's got actual access to the draft rules. But I think Gabe is going to put them out on their wider group as well. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't know about, about that, but... Um... I guess if people are interested, come along to Facebook, look up War Stories, or find the group, and then um, flag your interest on there. That'll be uh, yeah. The more people we get looking at it, the um, yeah, the better. So that's so the basic. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've invited uh, two Toms, um, mm. Tom from my local group, who's uh, already mad keen Firelock fan, and Thomas uh, from Australia, who has already been turning. Um, Twilight 2000 into a one-off game about Stalingrad. Yes, and he's and he likes this so much. I think he's thinking that he may well run the Stalingrad story in War Stories rather than Twilight. Oh, 2000. nice, nice. Um, so, so I was I was kind of hoping that War Stories would give an alternative mechanic um, 
for those who didn't want to go down the full sort of the full bore route of Twilight Two Thousand, and the yeah. and the initial, I mean, there, we had a conversation very early on when I got involved. The I think the initial feeling was that the Twilight Two Thousand rules would would be the ones to use, um, and we got confirmation from from Thomas at Free League that that it was okay to do that uh, under the OGL as long as you know you again you followed the the rules about um, text branding uh, and the like yeah and all the rest of it uh, but i was quite strongly of a mind that we should do something different and um, we had quite a good conversation about that and in the end um gabriel decided yes we should go with basic year zero engine mechanics and we could make everything we want for the game out of those and i think there's some there's some really nice ideas around suppression which should be really mm-hmm. really really quite simple um there's a there's a kind of coolness thing which is called guts which is about you know, like kind of you know your your ability to to resist that kind of uh yeah, the, the pressure of being. So in tell that. me about guts. Is that uh, you said it's a bit like coolness under fire in Twilight Two Thousand? Now our comments has been a bit that coolness under fire is a superpower in yeah. Twilight Two Thousand. So I think there's um, I think there's a bit of balancing to go on yet, and I think the guts the way guts works is still a work in progress. But the, mm-hmm. the idea of Guts is it, it gives you the same kind of effect, the same kind of impact as Coolness Under Fire. But Guts is a is a skill in itself. So it's something right. something you can learn. Um, yeah. You can get better at and it. And you can learn it even if you're not an officer? Uh, yes, yes. Because I think I, the officers are the best at Guts. Um, at Coolness. In, yeah. In Twilight 2000. So, so I think there is definitely a risk that Guts can become overpowered. At the moment, there are mechanics that allow you to heal your mental health points um, through guts. That They might need a bit of tweaking. Um, there's also a mm. command thing about uh, you know officers who are able to then inspire their troops. And Thomas, actually, Thomas, our friend from Australia, has already put some really interesting comments... Um, it's just about, you know, a good officer can inspire green troops, but, you know, that might have to be a command role to bolster their, help them get over their, you know, their, their reluctance to run towards a machine gun, say. Um, but I think there's some really nice things in there. But the, I guess the point to stress at the moment is that version 2.0 is still a pretty early draft. And there's, the, the, the reason for putting it out is to test a lot of these things to the breaking point. And then tweak them in the right way and modify them in the right way. So I don't think there's much in there that we are 100% saying this is this is fixed and this is right. I think there's things in there that we think work pretty well, but they do need some um, some proper bench testing to see see how much pressure you need to put on them before they break. Yeah. Yes, that's good. Uh, although this is all going to happen quite quickly because I think Al is planning on putting this up for pre-order in the summer, June or July. So I'm not sure what the date will be. Um, Gabe was talking about Q3 or Q4. So, mm. um, you know, I think... Q4 would be a lot later than the summer. So. It would be, yeah. So I, yeah. I think... Um, Ali's obviously very keen to get it up and out there. It's um, you know there, it, it's a it's a long way down the line. A lot of work's been done on it, um, but I think that right now what the, what what Gabe is really keen on is to get as many people out there playtesting it as possible and giving feedback so we can get the 
the actual rules refined properly. But I, cool. I think well, I think there's some stuff in there that it's it's it could be. So quite a lot of the conversations that Gabe and I have had have been referencing scenes from things like Bands of Brothers and um, mm. Saving Private Ryan, where yeah, there's 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 a number of bits in the the opening of Saving Private Ryan where you get Tom Hanks going covering fire and they all turn around and just blast lots of bullets um, and. The, yeah, the team run for it and managed to get to cover because the guys at the other end, when there's lots of bullets coming, they are they are effectively choosing to be suppressed or they're being suppressed. Mm. So I think there's rules in there that are are evolving, which hopefully will reflect that really nicely, um, and without being too complicated. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I think it could be it could be great. Fingers we crossed. We should uh, invite. Gabriel for an interview Definitely. at some point. Yep, absolutely. Um, maybe nearer the time when things start happening in terms of um, uh, in terms of getting towards uh, pre-order uh, time. Uh, yeah. Pre-order, yeah. yeah. And maybe you should run a game for us, Dave. Yeah, you know definitely. that would be a good way of testing all these rules you're inventing, and maybe we could put it on a stream. That sounds like a good idea to me. Okay, right, find, that's find, yet another thing find, to add find, to the calendar. Find me some time. <laughs> did we not invent that extra day for that, all this sort of stuff to happen? We did, but it uh, didn't really work, ago. did it? Yeah. Um, one question, though, I still have to ask about this. Is there a life path character generation system? There is, yes. And if oh, there is, does it end with you make a dice roll on the beaches at Normandy to see whether you just get shot in the head and have to roll in your <laughs> Not at the moment, but I'll mention it to Gabe if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, Because I thought that could be a unique selling point. You know, everybody raves about how once upon a time in Traveller you could die in character creation. I thought this might be the time to do it. Yeah. Or, uh, and this is actually a conversation I was having with Tom. Um, yeah, he, he, he's just at first, um, you know, we don't know yet, I think. It's 101st... Um, infantry for the uh for the u.s force so it's, yeah, it's the, the 101st airborne which is ba- airborne, basically it, yeah. following the story of band of brothers in effect so the 506 cool um, so is it the unit that the british unit that will be an alternative has that been decided on yet it's i don't mm, i don't know for sure it's another paratroop um regiment yeah and so we were wondering whether it could be one of the glider born yeah and uh the last thing is you roll your dice. Sorry, your glider clashed, roll, crashed, roll up a new one. Uh, well, yeah, then, then the uh, entire team is dead. So everybody yes. has to roll up a new character. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, may, maybe may, not. Maybe that's not maximum game fun. So, but I think, um, I think it's interesting. So the campaign that comes with it will be following the invasion of Normandy through the 101st and the, um, I'm not sure, I can't remember which British paratroop um, regiment they were talking about using. Uh, and and that campaign will will kind of guide you through the war. Um, one thing we talked about was how much agency do the players actually get in changing the course of the war. Um, mm. Now it's it's an interesting balance to find. So I think we, I think we talked about this before a few weeks ago, where you don't want your players to simply feel like they are on a roller coaster ride that they can't get off. Or they can't watching everything. They can't change where it goes. It's just about hanging on and surviving to the end. Um, so mm. I've, I'm I'm always really keen to find some way to allow the players to influence events. 
Now, I know it's difficult. If you are just five soldiers out of however many hundreds of thousands were involved in the invasion of Normandy, um, it's difficult for five people to influence events you know, easily. But there might be stuff that you can throw in that you know allows the war to develop in a slightly different way should you want to. Because again, I think that's important to allow the players to feel like they are doing more than just hanging on for the ride. But, so that's the main campaign. The, the rules are also including things to allow you to, to generate um, partisans or resistance fighters. So if you want to run a campaign that is just set within the World War II setting, but isn't following the history of you know the Normandy campaign or whatever it might be, then you can do that. You can roll up your French resistance or, you know, we, we, we're talking about um, your sort of SOE, Special Operations Executive kind of uh, character as well. And you can run a different campaign, but still within that World War II setting. So hopefully we'll manage to flesh all that out in the, in the, in the core book. And uh, the next thing, I, the extraordinary thing, frankly, uh, that I wanted to talk about is Jeff Goldblum on the natural play stream yeah now what i want to know dave is why have you not got jeff goldblum playing free league games with us why is he playing D with um some podcast called dark dice i haven't even heard of him well you know i mean jeff and i are good mates we've known each other for for a long long time sadly uh you know he he never got over that time when he rage quit when i uh uh, when I when I ruled against him for an Overwatch, um, yeah, he, well, you know what he, he should have done. Spoke he should have played since. rules as written, mate. <laughs> Jeff's a stickler for that. Uh, so, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn by this. I I, I there, there's lots of celebrities that it, it feels like anyway are kind of jumping onto the D and D bandwagon. Um, and it's just like, really, you know, re- you know, I just really, yeah, I, uh, and, I don't know. It, 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 I don't want to stop anybody playing a game if they have been long time players, and and now want to, you know, get out there a bit with their hobby. Then great. Um, if it's just a way of a celebrity who just is looking for another way of, I don't know tapping into some more publicity then uh, then maybe not but I don't know I've, I haven't really even I haven't watched it I haven't looked at it I haven't even read any stuff about it so no, I don't think it's out yet I think it, there's just a lot of pre-publicity for season two right. of Dark Dice you can find it on your podcast directories I'm sure but there won't be a link in the show notes because you know I'm not touting another podcast business <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah I mean uh, so I'm just I'm looking through an article now on Sci-Fi Wire, um, which I think is the one that broke the story. At least I've got an interview with um, with the sort of producer of the Dark Dice podcast, and it doesn't look to me that Jeff has. Uh, he's very creative and he's an improviser. We know that Jeff Goldblum is an improviser. We know that a lot of the funniest lines or the best lines in. Everything from when I first saw him, I think, in uh, Buckaroo Banzai's Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension, where he was inexplicably dressed as a cowboy for the entire film. Um, 
Uh, right, you know, all, all the best lines have often been improvised lines by Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I, last time I saw him was in um, fabulous Thor Ragnarok, and he made that character his own. So I'm all for Jeff Goldblum. I, I hope he's played D&D before he's done this. Um, but yeah, yeah, I kind of feel a little bit like you that, you know, you know, we've we've been slaving away at the role playing game chalk face for blooming years, <laughs> <laughs> and then these celebrities come in and grabbing all the glory. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know, I don't but know yeah, like but that. then he is Jeff Goldblum, and people all around the world have heard of him and seen his his work. A few, quite a lot, yeah. a lot more people than I ever thought when we started this podcast listened to us and have heard our work. But still, <laughs> it's it's not really scratching the surface of Jeff's. Um, reach is it now? No, so, no, it is not. Not really. Anyway, good luck to him. I think. Yeah, good luck. absolutely. Whatever my feelings are personally, I I hope everybody has fun at that table. Yeah. and the audience do. I as think well. it would be quite fun to to, to have him one shotted in the first ten minutes by something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think that's not going to happen. It seems unlikely, doesn't it? I, I guess. Yeah, I guess I think... it's that thing there, though. So now Jeff, Jeff, and his character are now plot secure. There's no, yes. there's no way they're going to kill Jeff Gomblum's character in that campaign, now are they? Because he might just leave. They're going to want to keep him involved for as long as possible. He might just go, oh bloody hell, I'm off. Yes, I never play with him. Or again. he may have said, look, I'm here for eight episodes. True, true. In which case, there'll be a spectacular death in the eighth episode. A spectacular and heroic death. Yeah, yeah. But like I say, good luck to them. I hope it goes well. I hope Jeff enjoys it and. Uh, I hope if uh, you know if anybody is listening to this, who gets to put a comment in, say try a free league game, Jeff. Come along, <laughs> come along and try Alien: The Colony or Versen in Japan with us. Yeah, what we need is for Freely to get the license to Independence Day, and then we can get him back to reprise. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's... I don't think I want to play in Independence Day. Uh, I, I love, I like the film well enough, but I don't think I want to play in that world. Moving on, shall we talk about Kickstarters? Go on then. Uh, so uh, just a couple of other Kickstarters. Now, you know I'm on a Kickstarter moratorium because I haven't got a job. And now I'm saving up for a guitar and stuff like that. So um, so no Kickstarters for me. But two that have sparked my interest um, are... Uh, Star, Starforged. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Uh, and Court of Blades. Um, Starforged is from the creator of Iron Sworn and soon to be the creator of the solo version of The One Ring that was a stretch goal in the incredibly successful yes. The One Ring Kickstarter. Indeed. Uh, and it's a science fiction solo game. Mm. Um, now, I haven't got much more to say about that because I don't think we're interested in solo games, you and I, are we? I'm not. No, I, I I guess for me, role-playing is a collaborative experience. And I, yeah, I, I know some people love it. And, and I guess for some people who, who are unfortunate enough to, you know, struggle to find a group, then great. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful way in. Um, but personally for me, it's not, it's not something that I've really felt the interest to get, to get heavily involved with. So I uh, just want to be clear here, Dave. Did you just call that chunk of our audience who struggled to find a group a bunch of lonely saddos? No, I didn't. Good, good. <laughs> and why would you think I did? 
Really? Um, I don't know. It's just the words that came into my mind. Well, that's that's. Well, I'm that's, sure you thought them first. That says more about you than it does about me, mate. Frankly, now, we've all we've all we've all had times in our gaming lives where we yes. we haven't had a group to game with, and it's not nice. Um, no. So uh, in those fallow periods, then if some people want to go to the solo games and, and get their their gaming kick out of that, then great, absolutely. Uh, I just say it's just not it's just not for me. And it's not easy getting you know getting a new group. It's it, it's hard work. And say that I've I've recounted before about how I how I got the little gaming group going mm. here every week before um before um before lockdown screwed us all up. Um, uh, yeah, and that wasn't that wasn't easy. That took quite a lot of effort. Um, yeah. And now we we ended up with about 12, 12 people in our little group, which is actually too many. Um, but interestingly enough, one of the I haven't got around to sorting out when we can get back into the pub to start playing again. But we had somebody on the Facebook group going, oh, what's happening with the role-playing group on Wednesdays? So uh, it's yeah, good. People are still sucks. people are keen, are still interested. Yeah. Which is good, which is great. Uh, and the other one, um, Court of Blades. Uh, the, the Of Blades bit may make you might make you think that it's a derivative of Band of Blades. And indeed, you'd be right. It is the Blades in the Dark system, but in the sort of courtly intrigue of a, uh, I think a fantasy city, but kind of like Florence or Venice or something yeah. in the 17th uh, or 18th centuries. The Machiavellian um, period. Well, Machia- Machiavelli is a little bit earlier. Yeah, Didn't you do a history degree? Um uh, but uh, but yeah, I think I think uh, flashing blades and pirates and assassins and people in masks, um, that sort of thing. Renaissance, okay. Maybe. That's as far as I'm going to go. Yeah, I I, again, I, I haven't looked at that. I don't I don't know anything about it. I, I like Blades in the Dark. Um, mm. Is it? I'm not sure. I really like it actually. Having thought about it a little bit over the over the period over the time, but. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it right now. <laughs> kind of... Well, let's not say anything about it because, of course, the final Kickstarter that we want to talk about and we'll talk about for some time is Changed Star. Yes, indeed. Which um, we've got an interview about and we've got it about now. So it's another time for another episode of Players in the Hammam. And the player in the Hammam we've got today is Patrice Long, Pat Long, Spider Long. Uh, sorry, what's your Twitter handle? Because, of course, we first met on Twitter, Pat. Yes, my Twitter handle is Spider Queen Long. Um, long underscore spider, if you want to like search <laughs> Google. That's brilliant. We'll put a link in the show notes if people want to follow you on Twitter. Um, and I remember I first came across you on Twitter, really, when um, uh, you were talking a lot about the alien role-playing game, which oh, is, yeah. which is kind of one the reason why we're here. But we always ask everybody, as the first question when they join us in the hammam, tell us about your life in gaming. Oof, well, gaming has played a very significant part of my life. Um I'm embarrassed to say that a lot of the first stuff that I did was not in the uh, kind of the indie stuff. I was, I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a, uh, 
can we can we uh, can we curse on this channel? We can curse on this channel. Yeah, bit worry. of a basic bitch. Um, <laughs> my introduction to role playing games was D anD D, and um, I spent my entire like childhood um, getting off of school and riding my bike to Borders back when that was a thing, <laughs> and uh, just chilling in the cafe with a with a coffee and uh, a D anD D book. Of course, I didn't buy the D&D book. I put it back on the shelf and I was finished. But, you know, I had fun uh, <laughs> using the Borders as basically a library to pursue my uh, my fantasy um, ideations. And, um, you know, I, I really, really fell in love with reading through the books and I wanted to play the games. Uh, I had a couple on and off games that uh, I played throughout my uh, childhood, including with my brother, who um, was a huge part of my life. Um, before he passed away about four years ago he's still a huge part of my life mm. um and uh we would we would make up stories to tell and uh when i went off to college i kind of found out that there was other role-playing games than D, which was <laughs> like wow mind equals blown um so i started uh testing the fields out uh and um you know i, I found a couple other games and then when my brother passed i uh I went back to college and uh, found a cool group of uh, people who I ended up um, putting on a long form campaign with. And that's how I'm my collaborator on, uh, on um, Diesel Shot, which is the, uh, the Twitch channel that I co-run. And we, uh, we played a whole bunch of different games together. And um, eventually uh, through our Twitch channel, we, we started putting on a whole bunch of shows. And that's actually when I found out about Alien RPG, which had just come out um, the year before. Uh, actually, no, it was the same year, sorry. And um, it was just kind of earlier in the year and I didn't really cue into it until like summer, but Alien was my ch- was also part, a huge part of my childhood. Um, I was absolutely obsessed with the series growing up. Like Ripley, honest to God, my fucking idol. I love the hell out of Alien. And I absolutely fell in love with the system. It was so intuitive, quick to learn, quick to play, um, had so many fun elements. It really fit the genre perfectly. The stress system was absolutely to a T the experience of uh, a person in the, uh, in the cinematic universe of alien RPG of uh, the <clears throat> alien franchise. So I was just absolutely enamored with the, uh, with the game so much so that um, because of me, we kind of ended up, uh, we kind of ended up putting, uh, putting on what we called alien summer, which was, we were playing alien RPG on diesel shot three days, uh, uh three days a week, pretty much. <laughs> so a lot of, and a lot of that was me, uh, me just like mm, digging into the, uh, to the cinematic universe that I loved so much. So well, we'll turn to alien in a moment, but, um, tell us about diesel shot. What other systems have you run on Diesel Shot? What other things should people look out for apart from Alien? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So right now we're doing a lot of change stars, unsurprisingly. Right. But um, uh, on Diesel Shot, we've done all sorts of things. Um, we've done uh, some Mothership, some... Uh, actually, wow, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> we've done Mothership. We've done um, our, our own kind of in-house uh, D100 game. Um Acro Diesel Age, uh, which we've done with like a, a Fallout spinoff uh, as well. And um, we just kind of, uh, we try the field. We do a lot of indie games, uh, basically anything that one of our uh, members is like really interested in playing. We, we put on a show of that, uh, Stars Without Numbers. 
um, you know, all, all sorts of all sorts of indie games. I'm sensing quite a lot of science fiction as opposed to swords and sorcery. Am I? Um, uh, that's mostly my influence. I'm a huge sci-fi nut. I absolutely adore sci-fi. It is my my bread and butter more so than fantasy. Um, and when we do do fantasy, I I tend to prefer like interesting and um, and non earthy environments like the underdark in Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. and uh, you know stuff like that but um yeah we do a lot of sci-fi on the channel because I'm a fucking nerd and I love <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> right so we'll put links to diesel shot as well as your Twitter in the show notes um, and people can find that uh, as well um, right and uh, we've talked quite a lot about alien them um, and you've already kind of said the answers to all my next questions, like, you know, what, what is it about Alien you like? Um, Sorry. So that's, that, that's fine. That's fine. And you're right. I, I, think, um, I think one of the successes of Alien is that it managed to capture, using the Year Zero system, just oh, yeah. a few tweaks to it that made it feel very of the universe. Absolutely. Um, and we could talk outside the show about whether that means it works for campaigns. We're running a campaign at the moment and, you know, we're, we're kind of banging it into shape to make sure it can run a campaign, but there are some challenges there. We, we actually on diesel shot had the same kind of experience. We, we loved playing one shots and a lot of our stuff was one shot form, but uh, one of the common, I don't want to say complaints because it's really hard to complain about how amazing alien RPG is, but one of our common, uh, a common thing that was brought up is that, you know, it works really, really well for one shots and three shots. But, you know, once you start to try and advance your character, then then you have some uh, struggling uh, points because yeah. you kind of run out of content. I'm kind of hoping that when when the damn PDF drops in my inbox that uh, the, the uh, Colonial Marines campaign uh, guide will have some answers for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure they will, having playtested that. But we'll wait and see. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll on the, uh, the talking about that then. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, 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 I only played, so so Dave did quite a lot of the playtesting. I, I joined in only a couple of times, but um, yeah, it feels a lot like a whole series of Aliens films as opposed oh, yeah. to necessarily a campaign, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, so... You loved Alien. There were limitations to Alien. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think one of the things that I first spotted when we were sort of orbiting around each other on Twitter was you saying something like, I wonder if we could use this Alien system, but to do something with more where you can be not xenomorph aliens, but, you know, all the sorts of weird fantasy aliens, not fantasy aliens, that's the wrong word, sci-fi aliens that you see in 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 the genre um and that has become what you're really here to talk about which is your kickstarter that's happening at the moment and that is change stars yeah i mean so so you're right on the money uh change stars kind of started uh actually truth be told change stars started because i wanted to play alien rpg but my table uh, that I was I was trying to experiment with it before putting it on air on Twi on uh, our our Diesel Shot channel didn't actually want to play Alien RPG because they they weren't fans of the show like I was, mm -hmm. which I mean like oh, heartbroken, but like no, uh, they so um, 
the idea was that I, I wanted to get a handle on the system so that I wouldn't look like a total fool when I ran it on our show. So I wanted to experiment with it. And the, the way I managed to convince my table to do this was I'm going to come up with my own unique sci-fi world and use the system. Uh, and, and we'll just work from that. And uh, so I, I pitched them a poll uh, to create this kind of uh, sci-fi universe that we would be spending time in. And uh, we decided on two options from this, like, you know, I'm, I'm just talking about like a basic Facebook poll with a mm -hmm. couple options in it, right? And yeah. uh, we decided um, aliens take over humanity and try to fix them. And uh, uh, humanity is run by an AI. And those two kind of general uh, dropping off points uh, kind of... Um, inspired what later became change stars uh, right. it, it wasn't change stars as it is now uh in the beginning but it, it has uh, but that's the seed evolved. of the of the verse as it were yes and actually it, it even gets even uh, it even gets nerdier than that um i i when i was creating the like the three kind of core species uh my mind was all right what if i were to twist some of the elements of the the alien verse into completely the opposite so like one of the, one of the, or so the, the core species um, are in the Trinity, which is kind of the central union of, um, of the spacefaring um, uh, of the setting. And uh, it's humanity, the Thren and the Mirai. The Thren are like a very, uh, very long, uh, long lived and, um, and kind of older uh, spacefaring species. And the Mirai are kind of like these insectoid eusocial like ant hive forming uh species and my my kind of idea was all right what if i had good xenomorphs and not super shitty precursor uh, uh engineers and <laughs> those were the other two species i mean it's it's so totally evolved since that but that was kind of the, the that, founding kind of point of the opposite <laughs> of alien through alien exactly. and out the other side yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a it's a fun inversion, but uh, that, that's of course like I'm just talking about the very basic inspiration for Change Stars. It has become something completely uh, original and and unique. I I think. Um, and so, um, just uh, coming back to that poll, I I've, uh, looking at the Kickstarter site, which we ought to say because I just tried looking for it again today, and we ought to say it's Change Stars all one word when you're searching for it on Kickstarter. We'll put it in the show notes as well, though. There'll be a link in the show notes. But yes, I, 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 I was a bit frustrated this afternoon because I couldn't find it. But the last time I looked at it, um, it looks to me like that idea that you had in the poll of humanity is screwed and the aliens take it over and, and try and help them out. That's kind of the one that you, you ended up playing with more than the uh, AI humanities run by AIs. Well, actually, the Artemisian commune, which is the current state of humanity, is run by uh, yeah, is run by the Mother of Steel AI, which was a former war machine uh, that was uh, kind of hacked and reprogrammed to serve as a um, an economy running um, uh, engine across the vastness of space. Uh, because it was already kind of queued in to the uh, the systems in place in all of the uh, human settlements uh, when humanity was like this evil militaristic empire. And uh, so they just kind of made some common sense switches and uh, it became the director of uh, the human uh, kind of uh, state at the Brilliant. moment. So it's a little bit of both. Bit of both, bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, you've got this... Um, 
The other thing that it reminded me of, and, and story-wise, um, probably not at all, and as you say, it's it's an original verse, So, but um, aesthetically, it looked to me a bit like um, Farscape, Babylon 5 sort of thing. How would you respond to that? Interesting. Yeah, so um, I've, I've watched Farscape. Uh, I've read a lot about Babylon 5, but I unfortunately have not actually had the opportunity to watch it. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said uh, about um, Change Stars falling into that kind of diplomacy-minded uh, genre of, um, of sci-fi, where, where you have different species trying to interact and, uh, and cooperate and uh, work together. Um, and, and there is definitely a lot of that uh, at play in Change Stars. However, I think that that um, that is uh, more the meta plot than the day-to-day gaming experience, I would think, um, because Change Stars is also very much grounded in the kind of industrialist working class uh, uh, sci-fi genre with the twist that it's not a uh, corporate dystopia like an alien, but rather a kind of... Um, at times failing, but trying to be um, helpful and uh, and safe uh, sort of um, uh, state-run uh, society. Um, okay. So you're not going to find uh, uh, you're not going to find corporate jackoffs telling you to go bring back a parasitoid from a uh, an abandoned moon, and your AI or your on on ship AI is also working with a synth who's gonna you know screw you over. That's not that's not going to be a super uh, common plot and change stars. But so in that you way, it's definitely... nothing at all like Alien. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you'll definitely still find yourself in in the situation where you're kind of a, uh, a working class uh, average Jane or Joe in space and. Uh, you're just trying to get a shipment somewhere and uh, there are problems and uh, maybe you do run into a salvage mission that you can't pass up or, or something like that. But it's not, it's not uh, the oppressive society telling you that you have to do this. Right. So it's quite an optimistic society. Yeah. I would say that that humanity has fallen on hard times. Yeah. I would say that um, change stars is, uh, is a bit optimistic. Um, I like to say it's sort of, realistic in that it's not exceedingly pessimistic but i guess that kind of makes it optimistic <laughs> so, <laughs> so um and he's a well it says on the kickstarter but we were talking about it before we started recording it's a feminist uh science fiction now yes. when i when i hear those words i do think of ripley in alien and um uh, of course um Sarah Connor in Terminator, but um, is that what you mean when you say feminist, or is there more that I'm missing here? So um, uh, yes and no. Um, in, um, damn it, I can't even remember the name of the novel that uh, my sister gave me when I was about twelve and said this is proper feminist science fiction. Uh, the dispossessed is it? I can't think what it's called. Interesting. Anyway, it went right over my head because I was a twelve-year-old boy. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's probably more like that. So by by feminist sci-fi, I don't mean to... uh, So my idols growing up were definitely like the Sarah Connors and Ripley uh, sort of characters. But um, uh, feminist sci-fi kind of refers to the genre of... um, It kind of started maybe kind of more towards the 70s where with like, um, you know, uh, 
uh, Ursula Le Guin and, and some, some of her peers and, um, you know, ha uh, ha Hand of Darkness uh, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, other books of that sort of uh, in that um, general uh, trend all fall into this uh, feminist sci-fi genre, which is kind of a, a genre born out of um, a desire to explore societies in which patriarchal heteronormativity is not uh, assumed to be the default norm. Um, we, we, we experience, uh, or, or perhaps it is the norm in that society and we challenge it. And that's, mm. that's kind of the, the feminist sci-fi genre. And there's a bit of both of those uh, kind of extremes in Change Stars in that, um, you know, the human empire forms after about a hun couple hundred years in, of humanity being spacefaring. And it's a very regressive, um, uh, uh, oppressive fascist uh, dictatorship in space. And it's kind of all of the negative traits of humanity uh, that we, um, uh, that we've kind of gone through cycles of repeating, such as imperialism, uh, patriarchal oppression, et cetera, et cetera, thrown in. And, uh, and then we contrast that to the, the current society, which was in part um, assisted in forming by the uh, formerly matriarchal turned egalitarian uh, Thren and the, uh, the genderless Marai. And, you know, we, we explore kind of in, in Change Stars to a degree the, um, the cultural effects of um, coming from a society that is not uh, patriarchal. I, I don't posit that being matriarchal is good. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, going that far, but mm -hmm. I, I, I do kind of, um, I, I, I hope that people who are playing Change Stars uh, enjoy exploring kind of the, the, the different gendered norms from the different societies and, um, and just kind of uh, uh, while playing maybe, uh, or not, you don't have to engage with this particular aspect of it, but uh, just enjoy uh, um, an experience where the patriarchy is not the default normal. This is a post-patriarchal setting where uh, men and women are uh, truly equal and everybody in between. Mm. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, uh, the gist of why it's a feminist sci-fi in my opinion. Cool, and you also say it's queer sci-fi as yes. well. Um, Very deeply inspired by my queer experience. <laughs> yeah. And so you've been on a journey. You're a trans woman. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, how, have, you know, I, we were, again, talking before the interview about how I've always felt role playing has given people an opportunity to explore different identities, even in, you know, when it started, it was the 70s, the early 80s when I was playing. Um, and, you know, there were really quite repressive laws on the sort of conversations we in the UK could even have in schools about that. And for us, I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the role playing games club was an opportunity for people not necessarily to, to do it overtly, but, you know, to say, right, I'm going to play a woman in this one. And that might be an entirely internal conversation they had, but it was a way of get they could explore things. Role playing for me is always been an opportunity was did that feature large in your journey as well oh certainly certainly um i mean absolutely um going back like uh eight or nine years ago or whatever now um i think one of the turning points for me in in coming to terms with my own gender identity was getting the chance to play a female character in a D, &D campaign that that became kind of a long-running thing 
uh, back when I still identified as uh, as a boy. And um, you know, just getting to uh, getting to experience with these uh, these um, not not even just experience, but like getting the having the freedom to decide your own kind of persona in a setting and then digging into that mentality that will always uh always help you i i feel um grow as a person and get new experiences if you if you do it right and you actually you know think about how you're behaving instead of <laughs> there's of course the um the kind of murder hobo Yes. Uh, ideation of course you don't have to role play in a role playing game but if you really kind of think about yourself in in different shoes then that will always um help you improve uh improve yourself i feel and and increase in your own personal empathy and ability to relate to one another even if you're not trans or gay or or um struggling with some sort of identity that that the common um or that the uh, the general society at large is is averse to um you you can just be uh, a different person and that will invariably uh help you help you learn to think uh as others are uh as others think and you know i, I feel improve as a person i yeah. definitely agree and how so um in in this game how do you talk about you know what feminist means in the setting of change stars what do you think queer means in the setting of change stars yeah so um uh change stars kind of originated uh from from my own uh desire to create um uh, to create a society in which um your your characters didn't have to um it, it's very common nowadays uh i i feel um that that your fantasy world or sci-fi world doesn't necessarily put an onus on being queer, which is amazing. But uh, in, in, in this society, it's very explicitly, um, there is no heteronormativity at all. Uh, you're not assumed to be uh, straight. Um, you're, you're kind of just allowed to be whomever you are. And um, it's supposed to be a world uh, in which um, you can kind of uh, play the character that you want. You don't have to worry about um, any sort of, uh, you know, homophobia or um, transphobia. And there's a lot of other elements that go into play um, to show that, uh, that, you know, being who you are is, is absolutely normal. And it's a very diverse world with diverse experiences and diverse um, cultural upbringings, but by and large, the, uh, the society um, that you probably be interacting with is going to be 100% on board with however you are, um, however you are, <laughs> period. Yeah. yeah. It's a very inclusive and, um, and, uh, uh, you know, non-heteronormative, non-patriarchal society, the Trinity and most of the other societies presented in the game. There's no real, uh, evil bigoted faction, um, <laughs> that's currently, uh, in power anywhere. Excellent. So not even as the bad guys. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> the bad guys are, uh, the bad guys are, uh, you, your, your ship failing on you <laughs> and, uh, and a whole bunch of other things. Now we should talk about mechanics as well, because you started <laughs> this by saying this all, this started as you wanting to play alien, but your home table, not being into the franchise. So you, you made another setting for the system. How much yes. of the alien system survives now? Because we are, after all, a kind of free league 
podcast. Most of our listeners are interested in the Year Zero system and Simbaroom, of course, which I don't expect you to talk about here. Um, but, uh, yeah, would, would people recognise it when they sit down to play uh, Change Stars? Yes, and they have, but it is not the same uh, system. Uh, so we, we did start uh, playing this as an alien RPG, but by the time we decided to... Uh, to create or to uh, to publish uh, the setting, we decided that we really needed another system to go along with it. So we kind of, um, we wanted to capture uh, a similar but not identical gameplay to Alien RPG, um, which of course was our, uh, our uh, founding uh, element. But uh, we also have played a whole bunch of other games on our channel. We've played uh, Stars Without Numbers, um, mothership and all of those have a little bit of um, input as well. For instance, you know, we actually measure how many squares you move, which is not not the case in almost any. Yeah, I know. It's I all know. about I'm zones sorry. where I live, mate. <laughs> it's all about zones. No, but in in Change Stars, we actually we have like a uh, kind of a different scale where it's like you can either um, you can either interact with the one meter square uh, or the um, the kind of uh, larger ship map. Um, mm. depending on uh, what sort of experience you're, uh, you're involved in, in the gameplay. Um, and, and can I just interrupt there? Because, of course, that's something I remember seeing from you in Twitter when, when I first noticed you in Twitter. You're very into the, um, the tiles for, uh, for the online virtual tabletops and things like that. You, oh, yeah. Um, you do quite a sideline in producing those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I make I make my own uh, pixel art tile assets for use with World Twenty, um, and I, I absolutely love mapping and creating worlds. Um, un unfortunately, it's not uh, not always super easy, but I, I feel like making tile assets can help you really, um, or can at, at the very least helps me uh, create um, very immersive settings uh, in mm. which players can uh, interact and experience stuff. So I actually made a tile set kind of specifically for use with a alien uh, derivative um, uh, product productions. It, it doesn't actually fit the, um, the zone maps, mm -hmm. but it does uh, uh, if you want to do stuff like we do, um, which is uh, have square by square movement, it can help you uh, help you create a world. Uh, the one that's specifically alien RPG related is, uh, or not alien RPG related, it's not actually tied to alien at all, it's industrial. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> industrial but it's like industrial sci-fi and you get some fun alien-y, spaceship-y stuff too. And it's called Megacorps, Marines, and Monsters. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, so that's, and, that's and people uh, one of the things. And people buy that from Roll20? How, how do people access it? Uh, Drive-through RPG. Uh, cool. And Drive again, this will be a trend with me. It's all one word. <laughs> <laughs> Megacorps, Marines, and Monsters. Tell you what, put a Those link for that. We'll put that link in our show notes if you send that to me as well. Sure, <laughs> so, many, so many products we're, we're, we're <laughs> shilling for you here. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm getting flustered. <laughs> but, okay, so um, we... Yeah. Uh, so but the system scale similar. and things like that, that's one of the big differences from Alien. Yeah, um, that's one big difference. Still using pools of D6s? Yes. And those are pools still are still vaguely, I mean, different stats, different skills, but it's still stat plus skill? Uh, yes, it is still stat plus skill. And one six succeeds? Yep, and, uh, and ones are failures. 
So it is very much, uh, very much familiar to those right. who have played the games. And is so one of the things I think that makes all the Year Zero games different from each other, and what Alien does so well is the push mechanic. So in Alien, mm. it stress. You know, when you roll again, you get another die, and you know that can have adverse effects. Have you got a push mechanic? And, um, we needed some gambling in this game, so yes, yeah. we have we have a reach, is what we call it, and um, it, it actually it's it's uh, a little bit of an interesting inversion uh, because yes, we do have the negative side effect, of course, if you uh, if you uh, get that uh, that really bad end, but um, we also uh, you know we have this uh, conceit that if you go up enough in your in your um, edge, as we uh, as we call it, it's not stress. Um, you can actually do what's called an edge break where you um, where you uh, get to have your kind of anime protagonist experience. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you basically just, it, there's different edge breaks for each archetype, but um, you can uh, you basically get away with murder at that point. You can, you can have like an auto success on a certain thing, or you get to roll with an extreme amount of extra dice or something along those lines. Depends cool. on which uh, edge break you get. Oh, I'll be interested to look at that. And that sounds a little bit like, I don't know if you listened to our podcast a few uh, episodes ago, we were talking to Christopher Gray, who's created a sort of Indiana Jones style game called uh, Temples and Tombs. And mm. I think he's got a similar sort of mechanic there that um, might be worth looking at. On, he's built that on the Year Zero engine as well. So there might be, no Some stuff to, to look at there and see how yours compares. Yeah, Any other big changes in the mechanics you want to um, tell um, us about? Yeah, there's a, there's a few other um, other uh, stuff. I mean, our, our um, ship combat is absolutely nothing similar to either Coriolis or Alien RPG. We definitely kind of made our own thing there. And um, it was actually, I think, more inspired by... Uh, it's it's actually funny. I think our ship our ship uh, combat system is more akin to uh, the Among Us game mm. than anything else uh, because you just our ship combat system ends up being like you run around rooms doing things, looking, it's looking a little, for each other, and uh, it's a little fun. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by that. I want to give that a go. I'm not sure. I mean, for me, ship combat and Alien, I I don't even know why they put it in the RPG actually. It's not. It's not one of the better aspects of the game of the uh, the game, in my opinion. And I'm someone who absolutely loves Alien RPG. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. I mean, you know, it's not. It's not a thing I think of when I think of Alien for a start. Mm-hmm. Um, but there we go. I guess it's a thing you think of when when people are doing sci-fi games. Yeah. But uh, well, 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 I'll be intrigued to to give that a go. Um, and one of the, how yeah. how is the Kickstarter doing at the moment? The Kickstarter is actually doing really well. We funded in five hours, and right now we're at, uh, you know, we have a couple, three weeks, I think, to go. Uh, yeah, 21 days, at, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, and we're at 8500 8, or so. $8,549 um, yeah. of your £5,000 total, dollar mm-hmm. total. Um, so stretch goals, what sort of stretch goals have you, uh, have you attained and what are you hoping for? Yeah. So our stretch goals are right now all about expanding the book. Um, and, and one thing that we're really interested in doing is creating a rich immersive world. 
and each stretch goal that we have on the table at the moment is devoted to expanding on the lore of uh, the kind of various species that you get to play. Because I think one of the biggest changes um, kind of just in tone from Alien is that you can play different alien species from the uh, kind of empathetic and, uh, and socially complex Thren to the, uh, the near hive minded Mirai who uh, speak in pheromones and the uh, humans, of course, who are the, uh, uh, well, I think one of the bigger changes that we made uh, aside from like adding and subtracting things from the year zero is, uh, is that um, you're, uh, you get to play in other species and uh, humans are kind of the, the bulldogs of space, very hard <laughs> to kill. Uh, one of their key, key traits is pest meaning they, they kind of like get to come back up from uh, a knockdown like an orc in D&D. &D. And, um, and you've got the, the uh, news guy who are utterly alien and uncephalized. So they don't have like proper heads. They've got two different ends. They're quadrilaterally symmetrical. So one, one of the things that we're really doing with the stretch goals is just expanding on the lore. And I've got a conlang that I'm uh, going to in implement for the Thren and uh, we're going to dig deep into, uh, we, our first Kickstarter um, stretch goal was to expand the Thren and the Marai. And we met that. Right now we're uh, working on expanding the Newsguai and the Veer, who are two non-Trinity members um, in, in space. And the, uh, the third one is actually going to be very fun. We're expanding on the Rast, who's everybody's favorite species in the game. They're, really? Um, tell, us, tell us about the Rast quickly. I'm yeah. I know we're running out of time. Uh, they're uh, they're otter people, basically, with uh, with antennae for detecting um, uh, echolocation, which they used on their homeworld, which was filled with uh, very dangerous predators. And they um, they form a very uh, familiar type of um, of dystopian capitalism in their moving home ships, uh, and uh, they're kind of the biggest contrast to the Trinity in the setting. Uh, because the Trinity is kind of a socialist union and the, the Rast are uh, very eagerly capitalistic and, um, but they also don't like colonize planets. They have massive mega ships uh, that are uh, practically cities and they kind of like the, the Coriolis, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the uh, space station yeah. where it's just a really big fucking city ship and they move around in space uh, occasionally exploiting often entertaining and uh, always uh, existing. And you said there were no bad guys. They're the, they're the neutral guys. Everybody's <laughs> neutral. <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe. Brilliant. So we're, we're looking at uh, over, um, uh, over the next three weeks then, hitting 15,000K to get those rest there. Um uh, expanded. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, it's twelve, twelve and a half thousand k to get the, the last ones. More spaceships because everybody loves more spaceships for fifteen thousand. Excellent, and and maybe more beyond that if you do really well with that. Yes, um, I'm you're in, in the lower phase at the moment. Uh, if you look at everybody's Kickstarter graph, mm -hmm. there's initial, um, you know, steep climb of, of of people getting into it who'd heard about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. Then it flattens out for a bit. And then there's yes. another climb towards the end. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. What what are you predicting? Or don't you want to predict? That's that's me to me. I mean, that's that question. That's fine. Uh, I I expect that we'll get to the Rast. Uh, that's for certain. I 
I'm hopeful that we'll get to the spaceships. What we're going to do after the spaceships, if we get past that is, um, oh, I don't know if I should be revealing all this, but uh, <laughs> NPC expanded uh, listings of like potential NPCs that you could interact with. And then one thing that I'm really interested in, somebody in the alien RPG community actually is, is has been super helpful on this front. We might be making like, if we get this far, 3D printable miniature uh, forms of the some of the signature spaceships in the setting. Cool. Really cool. cool. I, for me, the NPCs are more important than the miniatures. I'm, I'm not a miniatures guy, but that's why uh, they I do like them. a nice table of handy NPCs. I can just say, yeah, I want one of those, please. Brilliant. Okay, I'll look forward to that. Now we we're overrunning. Um, so I think we've asked all the questions we wanted to ask. Is there anything that you wanted to say? while you've got um, an audience? Yeah, so I, I, I would, the last and, uh, and only other thing that I could think to say is that I'm the illustrator of this setting. It's all black and white ink uh, on paper, traditional. And um, I'm just uh, very hopeful that this is going to be uh, uh, a very fun kickstarting point for my own personal uh, illustration career and, uh, and our team's starting point as content creators in the uh, community that we've grown to love so much. Um, by being a uh, part of Twitch streaming and interacting with other podcasters and fellow Twitch streamers. And it's just been an amazing experience so far. And the amount of support that we've gotten on Change Stars has just been mind boggling and deeply moving. And I'm just really happy to be working in this space with so many people who are amazing. And it's just, you know, it's just been an excellent experience. And I, I hope to continue working with everybody that's listening and with you and with uh, the great team that we've built uh, uh, alongside us to, to help push this uh, product out and uh, get it on your table. Brilliant. Well, that's good. I, 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 I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I've got a moratorium on Kickstarters at the moment, so I'm not kickstarting anything at the moment, but I'm hoping that will finish before your campaign finishes so that I can uh, kick in for yours. But um, it's been great talking to you, Pat, um, and it's been great, as I say, communicating on Twitter for all this time. You're one of my favourite uh, Twitterers, I guess. Uh, now, I'm honoured. <laughs> <laughs> it's always entertaining to read your tweets. So... Um, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much. Dave, I'm sure, will regret not being here. But um, he'll comment. He'll he'll talk about you behind your back as soon as this interview is over. So it's really interesting to, to listen to Pat. She's always a great pleasure um, to have around and is a great person to play a game with. Uh, and I've always been really interested in Change Stars from, from the first time I heard about it. But it, um, it, it feels quite year zero-ish to me. Am it I? is. It's um, a year zero engine. <laughs> it does feel a bit like it. Uh, I mean, it didn't, you know, she says she's made a, quite a lot of changes, or they have made quite a lot of changes, uh, her and her partner in Diesel Shop. But um, but I think at its heart, it's year zero. You know, sixes are still successes. I think they toyed with other dice, but they came back to sixes. Mm. Um, it, it is year zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it, which is why we get it on the program. So you know yeah. that's a bonus. If it wasn't yeah zero, we wouldn't have interviewed her. No, that's me. that's true. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, but it does sound. I mean, it does sound interesting. And it's um, you know, there there are there are some things in there that you know uh, I, I'm really interested in. So I'm I'm, I'm quite keen to do a, a science fiction game. I've got some stuff mm -hmm. working in progress. Um, it's not going to be a game that will be 
look or feel like changed stars, although I am going to do it. You mean it's not going to be a queer feminist uh, vision of the future? No, no. Well. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, no, but but I'm disappointed, in fact, because um, (laughs) this is obviously... Uh, progression you know this is an optimist what i like about it is it's an optimistic game yes yeah um, rather than a pessimistic game yeah absolutely i think I that's hope. well it, it, it feels that I'm way, optimistic it? for being it being an optimistic game but it's like you say very few games certainly about the future are optimistic they're all mm. they're all dystopian rather than utopian yeah. and if they are utopian they are dystopian in their utopia so you know it's um no, I love that. And I, I love the, the positivity behind that. And so some things that I'm interested in, things like the world building. Um, so obviously mm-hmm. that's something that I'm really interested in as a designer for the, for the ideas that I've got. But um, kind of the idea of, of how they've gone about it. You know, I'd be interested to, to, to hear more about that really as well. Mm. Yeah. And of course, you know, the world building is quite detailed because you mentioned... You know, she's creating a constructed language for yeah. most, uh, one of the races, um, which is a stretch goal that's been achieved or is about to be achieved. And that, you know, that's a lot of work. That feels a lot of work. I mean, I've never done it and I'm not a linguist, so I don't know how, how hard it would actually be to do that. But it does strike me as being a bit of an effort. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I then wonder what the playability of that is, but, I, but I, that's not to, you know... Um, I guess the, the interesting thing... I mean, it, it is interesting because the language issue in games is... is, is in, in science fiction games is one that is never really dealt with. So in, no. in Star Trek, oh, Universal Translator, everything's fine. In, in, in this one, you know, Pat's looking at you know, the lang- actually creating a language for one of the player... Is that for the playable race? Is that for... Uh, yes, I think yeah. I think all the races are playable. Yeah. We've got the, and I, I think... Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm doing this from memory now from what you said. I think it's the Thren who are the most human... No. So there's, there's humans, there's Thren that kind of look a bit like, if you like, Star Trek uh, alien race in that, you know, they're a human with some bumps on. Yeah. Uh, horns, I think. Nubbly, and, nubbly and then humans, there's the yeah. insectoid race. And I think their language is pheromonal. So, um, yeah. So that, that I, and if, if Pat's going to create a con language for them, then good honor. That would be a range of perfumes then to one day. But I, but I think Excellent. the friend language is a vocal and written language. And right. I think, um, uh, so that would be the one that's doing that. I should look it up. I've got the Kickstarter here. Yeah. You, you talk so, about some stuff. And so, I'll, I'll look it up but that was interesting because so the, the idea that I'm sort of building would involve a couple of alien races. And I was thinking that a, a character role in that would be Xenolinguist. And it's your, mm. and it's your job to communicate between, between the different species. Um, but I never thought for a moment I would go as far as trying to create a language. But so I was thinking, I mean, maybe what, what would be useful out of this for a player would be a bit like they had in the back of the, uh, was it the Serenity? I think the Serenity role-playing game, where you had mm-hmm. you had two or three pages of, of Chinese phrase, phrases that you could then throw into the game for a bit of colour. 
So maybe yeah. phrases in the language that are relevant um, culturally, maybe, or, or just sort of bastardized translations of a human phrase into the alien language might be something that the players could then use to throw in to add a bit of that, that sort of color behind the scenes, as it were. But how, yes. how you'd make an actual language work. It's a fancy, it's a, it's a fascinating idea. Um, but like, so I think in gaming terms, it might be, a might be a bit of a challenge to make that really relevant to the players. Yeah. Um, um, now there's not much detail in the, in the Kickstarter page about, about, the language that she's developing but what it suggests to me is then there's a, a there's an incredibly detailed backstory in this yeah um and i like detailed backstories you know hmm. i'm uh, not everybody likes to go with the published setting but actually i think the setting is what it's all about mm. um uh, for me, it in is, terms of actually selling games, yeah, and it, it's looking nice. I mean, uh, Pat's done a lot of the artwork herself, if not all of the artwork herself, and and some of the artwork I think is, so, yeah. is really nice. And she's uh, she's a very good artist. Um, I've still got the image that she did for for my character based on Bruce Dern from Silent Running mm. um, for the for the uh, Alien game that uh, I was I was able to join with her, which is great. Yeah, and so so this artwork is really nice. And I asked her whether she could draw cowboys. In the <laughs> okay. Uh, so we shall. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so good luck to Pat. Uh, yeah. Where we got, we've got at the time of recording, there are 19 days to go. So there's still a couple of weeks. Yeah. Even if I spend a bit of time uh, editing this. Yeah. Um, and they've, when you hear this, they've beaten their pledge um, with 186 backers, but. Obviously, there are stretch goals to be reached. So, yeah. Indeed. If you're interested, folks, go for it. Uh, right. Now, uh, next week, what are we... Well, not next week. In two, two weeks. weeks' time, what are we talking about? Oh, uh, no. No, I have an idea for what we're talking about. And... Um, I think we have homework to give one another, don't we? I we think. do. <clears throat> we do. But we've also got a special... I have been shamed on Twitter... Again, I've been shamed by one of our fans on Twitter, uh, and I feel we should address that. Did they? Did they? Uh, did they get access to those photographs again? Then. So this is David Taylor, <laughs> um, who's uh, you know, been quite a fan of us, and on Twitter we were talking about podcasts that slag off other games and how we don't like it, but then he said. Uh, I started listening to you because I wanted more information on Coriolis and Mutant Year Zero. Brackets, we need more of this. <laughs> so we haven't talked about Mutant Year Zero for years. So I want our next episode to be about Mutant Year Zero. And um, I thought, who do I know that's played Mutant Year Zero? And it's you, Dave. You've played Mutant Year Zero. This was the first free league game you got. I wasn't involved in the campaign, but I thought you must have some glorious inventions from there that we could talk about. I, yeah, I probably do have one or two things I could root out from there. Um, yeah, let's have a little think. Um, yeah, there's, there, was, there, was one, there was one location that I pulled together which was kind of the culmination of, of part of the campaign, or in fact, all of the campaign on that occasion. Um, 
which which they called, what I called the Silver City, which they could see on far on the horizon that actually looked like somewhere that was still functioning and uh, hadn't been destroyed by the apocalypse. And they spent half their campaign getting to it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. can okay, talk about the Silver Tell City. Tell us about the Silver City. Okay, I will take that. I will take that homework. Um, if we're if we're sticking though uh, on on the the mutant theme, um, yeah. You Obviously, s- I I won't have any homework because I've never played mutant or run it or anything. I can't talk about mutant at all. You, well, uh, I would I would beg to differ actually. So um, you've often talked about wanting to be involved with or run a GenLab Alpha campaign. A GenLab Alpha was the second of the uh, the books from that universe to come out after Mutant Year Zero. And it's fully compatible with Mutant Year Zero. So I think it, it, it counts. It's all part of this universe. So I think you should take a look at GenLab Alpha. Give us a little bit of a rundown of, of the, the background and the history for those people who don't know anything about it. And maybe have a think about how you might roll some of that into a campaign. What sort of campaign ideas You're it might You're making bring. me do a book report, sir. Uh, no, not, no, not really. <laughs> not really. No, okay, I will take that on because you're right. Uh, it, is a, it is an ambition I have stated in the past. I do have it on PDF. I missed out on hardback of that. I think it's the hardback's now back in stock, so it might be a good time oh, to okay. talk about it. Ah, good, good. Um, yeah, it's a lovely book. And, uh, I've, got, I've got it in hardback. I got it from the Kickstarter. It's really nice. Yeah, I've never okay. had a chance to play it. Um, so let me read about that, and uh, I do do a piece on how I might start or create a um, GenLab Alpha campaign. Excellent. I'll take that on board. That's good. good particularly, you know, if, if there are listeners who, who don't know too much about GenLab Alpha, they might be, oh, what's this thing all about? So actually giving a bit of a hint around where this book places, it's, uh, it's placed within yeah. the mutant universe would work really nicely. Cool. Yeah. Good. Cool. Well, I think... Uh, although I did see our friend talking about GenLab Alpha, I noticed that our friend Doug from VGC Gaming is doing... Uh, I don't know whether it's a campaign or a one-off, but um, it's a gen, It's obviously a GenLab Alpha event. Wasn't it? And it's titled... Wasn't it yesterday? Die Meat Eaters Die. So that is one of the printed campaign books, scenario books. Oh, is it? Yes. Ah, um, unless he's just right. taken the name for his own scenario, but Diomedes Die, Die is uh, one of the published scenario books. Yeah. Oh, I see. All right. Well, I've got so much to learn about Gen Lab Alpha. You have. So, uh, so let's let's end this podcast now, so you can start your homework straight away. Brilliant. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> cool. uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yes. Um, thank you, everyone. And we will see you in about two weeks' time. That is, if Dave can get out of bed like he didn't do this week i was driving back from holiday yesterday i wasn't you were driving back late you told me you'd be back at five o'clock and we'd be able to record the program i and at had expected half past to be back five or time. something you finally answered my desperate messages <laughs> i was i was talking to your brother about the fact you might have had a terrible accident and died on the way that's that's how seriously worried i was <laughs> were you worried about me or were you worried that you, there'd just be no one to record the podcast with. No, no, no. I, I had got a plan. I was going to do a, I, I was going to record it myself and go, and Dave, what do we got? And then there'd be silence. And then I was going to say, he's got nothing. 
Yeah, you're going to say what? Well, sadly, Dave died yesterday in a horrible car accident. Well, no, the only reason I didn't record the podcast on my own is I thought, well, if you have died in a horrible accident, then that would feel really dreadful. It would feel quite shitty, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, thanks, mate. So, anyway, you're alive. Thank God for that. But you uh, obviously overslept yesterday morning, and obviously started out late, and obviously didn't get home in time. Anyway, that's and why... that sort that's of shoddy workmanship that we need to address if we're going to put this thing out every two weeks. And that's why we're recording it on Saturday morning, which is fine. <laughs> yes. Which is fine, yes. yes. Okay. All right. So um, what do we say at the end of a programme? Well, we say it's uh, goodbye for me. And it's goodbye from him. <laughs> Go on. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.